Welcome today to the Carter Report and thanks for joining us. Our subject today is the most important but the most misunderstood subject in the whole of the Bible. It's on justification by faith, righteousness by faith in Jesus. This subject tells you and me how a sinner is made right with God and how God sends the Holy Spirit into our hearts to change our lives. Welcome today to the Carter Report. Voices. Voices. Voices from civilizations long silent are crying out. What is the meaning of these strange symbols of divine prophecies? John Carter explains these mysteries as he takes the living word to audiences around the world. Join John Carter in this international ministry as he presents amazing truths from the astounding world of the prophets in The Carter Report. I can tell you all about the Sabbath and the Antichrist and those prophecies. But I want to tell you folks something. None of us are going to get home to glory unless we go by way of the cross of Jesus. New York is a great city. In New York, there's a great park, Central Park. And a minister some years ago was walking through that park on a Sunday afternoon. He came upon a few boys. And those boys had a cage. And in that cage, they had some birds. The minister said, boys, what are you going to do with those birds? Oh, they said, we're going to play with them. Just play with them. We've caught them. We've got them locked up and we're going to play with them. The minister said, what are you going to do when you're through playing with them? Oh, the boys said, we're going to kill them. The minister said, boys, will you sell them to me? Oh, said the boys, they were real New Yorkers. They said, they're not worth anything. They're just sparrows. But the minister said, I want them. Oh, said the main boy. He said, if you give me $20, you can have the sparrows and we'll let you have the little cage too. So the minister said, it's a deal. So he took out $20 and gave it to the boys. And he walked down Central Park and he found a place where there, was, where there was plenty of grass. And he opened up the side on the cage. He tapped on the side and the little birds flew out. And as they flew out of the cage, he heard them singing, redeemed, 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 redeemed. Saved, saved got out of the cage, they were saved. Thousands of years ago, long time ago, before Africa was even populated, before we were even thought of, this is a parable. Jesus was traveling through the universe. And as Jesus traveled through the universe, he came upon Beelzebub, Satan, the devil, and he had a big cage. And Jesus said to him, Lucifer, what have you got there? Oh, he said, Jesus, it's none of your business. Jesus said, I want to know, what have you got there, Lucifer? He said, I've got a cage of lost sinners. And Jesus said, Lucifer, what are you going to do with them? Oh, he said, Jesus, I'm going to play with them. Just going to fool around with them. Just going to play with them. Did you know, folk? He may be playing with you tonight, just fooling around with you before he kills you. And Jesus said, Lucifer, 
When you're through playing with them, what are you going to do with them? Oh, he said, Jesus, I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill them. And Jesus said, Lucifer, will you sell them to me? Lucifer said, you don't want them, Jesus. You don't want them, Jesus. You don't want them, Jesus. They're just a cage of sinners. They're not worth anything. Jesus said, they're worth a lot to me. Lucifer, will you sell them to me? And Lucifer said, and this is a parable, name your price. Jesus said, you know planet Earth, where they come from? Yes. I'll give you all the silver in planet Earth. Lucifer said, no, that's not enough. Jesus said, I'll take all the gold of the earth and I'll heap it on top of the silver. Lucifer said, no, it's not enough, it's not enough. And Jesus said, then what do you want, Lucifer? And Lucifer said, I want the silver of your tears. I want the gold of your blood. And the parable says that the years rolled by and turned into millenniums. And Jesus came to this earth and worked for us. And people turned away from him. They turned away from the word of God. And they forsook him. And one night Jesus was in the garden. And Jesus was praying to his father. And all of a sudden he felt a hard hand on his shoulder. And Jesus looked up and he looked up into the leering face of Lucifer. And Jesus said, Lucifer, can't you let me alone tonight? I've got a lot on my soul. Can't you let me alone? And Lucifer said, I've come for the price. I've come for the price. I've come for the price. I've come for the silver of your tears. I've come for the gold of your blood, O Christ. And the next day, the parable says, that on the cross, Jesus paid the price with the silver of his tears and the gold of his blood. So I could sing tonight, redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And friend, it is not because of our goodness. It is not because of our righteousness. It is because of the silver of his tears. It is because of the gold of his blood. I want to ask you tonight, do you know the blood of Jesus? Do you know tonight for an absolute certainty that if you were to die tonight that you would be saved in the Father's kingdom? Come over here with me, please, to Romans 3, 22 to 24. Romans 3, 22 to 24, page 184. Page 184. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22 to 24, one of the most important verses in the whole of the Scriptures. Please look at the texts. Romans chapter 3 and verse 22 says, This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To whom? Say it loud. To all who what? To all. Say it loud. Shout it. To all who believe. To all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I want to share with you a little theology. I'm going to come over here to the blackboard, and I think I'll have to come a little further over here this time. But I want you to notice something here. 
the Bible says that we are justified by the blood of Jesus. Did you hear that? We are justified by the blood of Jesus. Let me put up this word, the Greek word, justify. Justify does not mean to make a person righteous. It means to declare. Oh, hallelujah. It means to declare that the sinner, to declare that. I'm going to write it up in big letters. To declare that the sinner, that's me and that's you, to declare that the sinner is considered righteous because of the mercy and the grace of God. This means this tonight. Now, if I get excited, you'll have to pardon me. It means this that if there's a sinner who comes in, in here tonight and he hasn't been saved by the blood of Jesus, and there are people here tonight like this. I know there are. There are in every audience. And that person hears the old, old story and he hears about Jesus. And he says, Jesus, have mercy on me. Like the dying thief, he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. God says, I justify you and I declare that because of the merits of Jesus, that sinner is now righteous. Hear that? Hear that? He stands in the sight of God, no longer a bad man. God doesn't look upon him any longer as a bad man. God looks upon him just as he looks upon Jesus. Hear it? Can you believe that tonight? You say to me, but it's too much to believe. What about all the sins of the past? You know what God does with them? He gets them all and he puts them under the blood of Jesus and he can't see through the blood of Jesus and all those sins are gone as far as God is concerned. And the person stands absolutely righteous in the sight of God. Have you got that tonight? You say to me, I'm not perfect. Of course you're not. I've been talking to your wife and I know you're not. You say, but I make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. You say, but I stumble and fall. Everybody stumbles and falls. But we are not lost because we make mistakes. We are saved because Jesus made no mistakes. And he stands in our place. Can you believe this? Can you believe this? I can see some of you looking at me and you say, this is not how it ought to be. I ought to be working my way to heaven. I ought to be toiling my way to heaven. I ought to be striving my way to heaven. It is not a case of working or striving or toiling. It is a case of believing in the blood of Jesus and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That's what we've got to believe. There was a Russian nobleman, hopelessly in debt. So he wrote down the list of his debts. He wrote down the names of his creditors who were pressing him to pay. There was a great list that filled up a page. When he got through that list, 
He was so depressed, so fatigued, that he picked up the pen again and wrote across the bottom of the accursed list, who can pay all my sins? Who can pay all my debts? Who can get rid of all of these tremendous amounts I cannot pay? But this nobleman was a friend of the Tsar, Peter the Great. And Peter the Great came to visit him that day, and this man had fallen asleep across the list of his debts, sleeping a sleep of nervous exhaustion. And Peter the Great walked in, ladies and gentlemen, and he saw the list of the creditors, and he saw the list of the debts, and he saw the question scrawled across the bottom of the page, who can pay all my debts? Who can pay all my debts? And Peter the Great picked up a pen, and he wrote across, right across it, he wrote across it, I, Peter the Great, the Tsar of Russia, will pay all of your debts. And he did. He did. And when I came to Jesus, I came with a page full of debts, all my mistakes. My Sabbath breaking was there too. My bad temper was there. My meanness was there. All the evil thoughts were there. And I said, who can pay all my debts? And Jesus on the cross opened up his veins and he dipped his pen in the blood of the atonement and wrote across the page, I, Jesus, will pay all your debts. I want to tell you tonight, Jesus has paid for them, every one of them. He's paid for your debts and he's paid for my debts. He's paid for all of our sins. And you say tonight, what must I do? What must I do? I must come to Jesus, the high priest, and ask him to forgive me. But there's a person sitting here tonight and they say, but I should go along and see the priest. Yes, you should go along and see the priest. Jesus, the priest. That's whom you ought to go along and see because Jesus is the priest. The Bible says in Timothy, that there is, now here is the text, folk. First Timothy, I think chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, There is one God. I'm, I'm saying this particularly to my beloved Roman Catholic friends whom I love in Jesus. The Bible says, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus is our mediator, folks. Jesus is our Savior, and Jesus is our priest. But if you want to have your sins forgiven tonight, don't come and confess them to me because I'm a sinner saved by grace like you are. But come and confess them to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want this righteousness. I want this perfect gift of righteousness. I want it tonight, Lord. I want all my sins washed away. I want all of my sins pardoned by the blood of Jesus. And I come tonight saying, Jesus, have mercy upon me. And Jesus will. Jesus is going to have mercy on you. And there's something else I should tell you. 
not only will Jesus forgive the sins of the past and the sins of the present, but Jesus, if we come to him tonight, is going to come into our hearts by the Holy Spirit and he's going to give us power to overcome sin. Jesus is going to give us the power of his resurrection. I want you to come to a text on this. Romans chapter 1, just back a page or two. And this tells us that Jesus does not only forgive the sins of the past and the sins of the present, but Jesus comes into our lives and Jesus gives us victory over sin. And I know it's true because I've seen it happen to so many people. Listen to this. Romans 1, 16 and 17. You've got all got the page number, I believe. It says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of just the Americans, of just the Australians. Well, maybe just the... just the... Russians or the Iraqis or the Jews or the Arabs. Does it say that? No. Because it is the power of God for the salvation. What does it say? For everyone. Does that include the people in Harare, Zimbabwe? Does that include you tonight? Does it include you sitting down there? Does it include the people sitting around this great theater? It says it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who what? Who believes. First for the Jew. Then for the Gentile. And, and tonight here, I think most of us are Gentiles. But that is not the end of the text. It goes on to say, For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, The righteous will live by faith. The Bible tells me if I come to Jesus tonight because of his wonderful cross, he will forgive every sin. But that is not the end of the glorious story. The Bible says that this blessed Christ, this glorious Christ, this powerful Christ will come into my life with a flood of power and that will be the power of God to slay the demon of lust, the demon of sin. Jesus will conquer if I come to him tonight. Listen. Jesus can give us victory over every sin, lust, hate, impure thinking. It doesn't matter what it is. Jesus Christ can come in such tremendous power that he can slay the demon of alcohol. It doesn't matter what it is. You see, we may be great sinners, but Jesus is a greater Savior. That's the good news. I was running a campaign some time ago in a little town by the name of Taree. 
And a man by the name of Ray came along to those meetings. Well, he didn't come for a long time. His wife came because Ray was such a wild man. He used to beat up his wife and beat up his kids. He had a filthy tongue. He could curse and swear and blaspheme the name of the Almighty, like some people possibly sitting here tonight. He had a dirty tongue. He used to get so violent that he sometimes would break up the furniture in the house and the police would have to come out and physically restrain him. And one night Ray came to the meetings and he sat right down the front and I made an appeal for people to come forward and accept Jesus and accept the power of the gospel. And somehow the Spirit of God got through to Ray and he got up and he came down and he stood down the front. And I want to tell you, Jesus washed away his sins. Jesus imputed his righteousness to him and Jesus came into Ray's life and Jesus cleaned up his tongue. Jesus gave him a pure mouth. Jesus gave him a pure heart. And Jesus made him into a brand new person. He wants to do it to you. You see, this wonderful gospel doesn't concern only the past. It concerns me today. And I'm going to make an appeal to you now. I want nobody to move. I want you to pray with me. And I want you to pray for yourself, and I want you to pray for everybody here. And this is going to be the most sacred moment of these meetings so far. I'm going to ask you now to do something. I want you to bow your heads. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask all people who want to go home to glory to make a decision. But before I do that, I'm going to tell them, Jan, a little story. I was running another series of meetings. This is pretty heavy upon my heart. And a man by the name of Keith came to those meetings, and I used to go out on Thursday nights and visit him in Australia in his home, he and his wife Nancy and his children. And I said to him one night, Keith, don't you think you ought to become a Christian and really give your life to Jesus? And he said to me, Pastor Carter, he said, "Uh, I don't want you to press me on this. He said, "Uh, you'll embarrass me and therefore I don't want you to ask me to give my life to Jesus. I said, Keith, it is my responsibility as a minister of the gospel to appeal to you to turn to Jesus. He said, please don't talk any more about it. And he got got a little hot. He got a little, little mad with me. And so I had a prayer with Keith, and I went home. A few days later, the telephone rang, and my associate, Ted Oliver, said to me, John, have you heard that there's trouble out at the Robinson Farm? I said, I don't know. He said, let's go out in your car. I think there's been an accident. So I, we got in my Ford, and we drove out the 30 miles or so to Beechworth, and as we drove in the homestead, under the big arch, the Robinson Farm. The police car was just pulling out and so was the ambulance. And as we pulled up at the open door, the door was open, Nancy came out and as we got out of the car, she fell into our arms and we carried her inside. And we said, Nancy, what has happened? And she said, Keith. That's all she could say. She said, it's Keith. And we said, what's happened to Keith? 
When she stopped crying, she said, well, you know, Keith, we're beekeepers, we keep bees. And she said, you know, I've wanted to be a Christian, I've wanted to follow Jesus, I haven't wanted to hold back, but Keith has been holding us all back. And she was crying, and she said, she said, uh, Keith came in this morning, and he put this container of acid. They use a type of acid to extract the honey from the, uh, from the hives. I don't know how it works, but he put this acid on, had the stove on high, and he went over to see how it was cooking, and he put a, a screwdriver in the side of it, and the whole stuff came out in a mass over his face. Keith staggered to the door, hoping to get some fresh air. And there was a hose outside, and he was going to try to get the hose on, we think, and get it off. But he collapsed in the doorway and died in the doorway. And Nancy said to me, she said, I wish, she said, that you'd talk to Keith a little more. I wish I'd talked to Keith a little more too. I'm not judging Keith, but I want to tell you folks something. The time comes when you and I are to make a decision for Jesus.